The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are on Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1997's Spawn, directed by Mark DePay, starring Michael J. White, John Leguizamo, Martin Sheen, Teresa Randall, Nicole Williamson, and D.B. Sweeney. Spawn is a 1997 noir super hero action film loosely based on the comic book of the same name by Todd McFarlane and published by Image Comics. This film currently holds a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? An assassin named Al Simmons is double-crossed and murdered by his evil boss, Jason Wynn. Al makes a deal with the devil and returns to Earth as Spawn to see his wife. He's ordered by the devil's minion, the clown, to kill Wynn. Wynn has made a deal with the clown, too, and is supposed to destroy the world with a deadly virus that will help start Armageddon and allow hell to attack heaven. Spawn must choose between good and evil. The, the bad guy's name is not the clown. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to a young, newlywed right here. Look triumphant return? The triumphant return of, of Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, he's glowing from his honeymoon bliss. But he paid the price for his antics in the sun, huh? Yeah, I did. I came back with a terrible sinus infection. And <laughs> I feel like death right now. Like Spawn. Yeah. Do you think that you got it while snorkeling. No, because it didn't hit me till I was back in the garden state for a full 24 hours. So, so you think your body's going through some type of shock where you, once you got into New Jersey, it wasn't... Yeah, my body can't handle the state anymore. You, it, you it, used it, to be it, immune, but not... <laughs> you lost it. Yeah, exactly. I got used to the, the beautiful sun, the warm weather. <laughs> it really has been a disaster ever since I landed back in New Everybody's Jersey. Everybody's angry. Our car mean. wasn't there to pick us up at the airport. It was late. They get, they, the car company gave the driver the wrong phone number. Uh, my marriage certificate was lost in the mail several days. Are you, you're not married. You're not married yet. <laughs> no, no, it, it was it was actually tracked down this week. Oh, I was going to say, you might have a few so, more days. No, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was it tracked it up, down. Live can. it up while you still can. <laughs> <laughs> and I got sick, so yeah, this has been real pleasant. And you watched Spawn last night. <laughs> I watched Spawn last night. <laughs> okay, what is your history with this movie? I have a uh, very, very checkered, checkered past. past with this movie. <laughs> I saw this movie in theaters with my brother, and I believe my mom and my sister were there as well. I think I was 11 or 12, and for some reason, I was terrified that I was going to be somehow affected by hell in some way by this movie, and I had to get up and leave this movie in fear, and every time this movie is brought up, my brother relishes the opportunity to just call me a weak, weak, (laughs) weak, weak man. (laughs) I am really pretty sure that I saw this in theaters. I don't really remember like actually going to see it though, but I saw it back when it came out, whether it was in theaters or right away when it came out on DVD. I saw it. I mean, our whole group was kind of excited for this movie, I guess, but um, I don't really remember what I thought of it. It was just, it's like this thing's a uh, very distant memory. <laughs> <laughs> How how distant? <laughs> Very distant. I don't know if this is because of like so like foggy and out of it right now, or if it just was, had zero impact on me. So I just completely forgot everything about this. This is a counterpoint to the Lost World, which you remember the exact theater yep. you were sitting yeah, in, exactly. what row you were in. Yep. <laughs> 
Okay, as for me, I definitely remember seeing this movie. I was excited because back then I actually read the comic. I, when I was a young man, I used to read this. So yeah, a movie based on Spawn. I was like, yeah, I'm in. I also remember that this is one of the first movies I ever went to where they gave out free posters for the movie. Like they do that now commonly. Like you can just get them at the front desk or whatever. But at the time, I thought that was pretty novel. Like having this poster with you sitting in your chair. Like it was, it was exciting. It was an event. This was an event movie, I thought. At least for me, it was. And I distinctly remember, I never forgot this, my exact review for this movie, me as a 12, 13 year old, whatever the hell I was at the time. I said these exact words when I walked out of the theater. This is a B movie with A special effects. <laughs> <laughs> now, do I still believe that? Are these A special effects? <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> Where's that poster today, Joel? Uh, it's in the vault, I'm assuming, right? Hanging With all above your, your other bed. Precious. Like a, li- a landfill in Staten Island somewhere. <laughs> decomposing, I don't know. Okay, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, Spawn himself, Michael Jai White. Okay, before I start talking about his acting, his acting prowess, he's not a traditionally trained actor, right? He's I didn't a, think so. Going into this, I was like, wait a minute, isn't this guy like a martial artist? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that he was a fighter of some sort. But So this is another Rampage Jackson situation. Right, right. I don't think, I mean, he was a terrible actor in this movie, but I don't, I don't think he's an actor. It seems weird though, right? Because I didn't really think that they needed someone like that in this role. It was wasn't like he was doing all that much physical action. He wasn't. Considering it's a, like a comic book movie, like they just need someone to look the part, of, like yes. a strong, muscular guy. Yeah, exactly. I didn't. I mean, they could have gotten someone that could actually do a line reading. That's Wesley Snipes. I mean, he was he's too big for this at the time, wasn't he? Well, Blade was like two years later than this, I think. Oh, was it? I feel like Blade was like ninety nine, but I'm not sure. Was he still running high off a of Demolition Man? Mm. Yeah, I mean, we all are, aren't we? As, <laughs> as a society, we're still riding high off of that. Whenever I see somebody had been slain on the news, I still say murder, death, kill. Taco Bell, you always go to Taco Bell and won the franchise wars. I remember that very vividly. Yeah, Michael Jai White, I mean, I thought he was very bad. Like, his line readings are really bad. He's but an actor. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I had that in the back of my mind. Like, I'm, I don't want to come down too hard on this guy. And, by the way, he's still acting. Like, he still appears and stuff. Right. It's a lot of low-level things. He was in this Mortal Kombat web series that came out last year, apparently. Was he Jax? Maybe. I, he could have been. I hope he was. Okay, next up, John Leguizamo. The triumphant return of John Leguizamo. Martin, when was the last time we saw him? It wasn't, it wasn't the happening. It was more recent than that, right? Oh, I forgot about the happening. So this is the third time. Right, right. Yeah, he's been on the show quite a bit. Okay. What was our first encounter with him? I don't know. He was a gamer. Oh, in, in gamer. Gamer. Oh, right, right, right. He he uh he was a, he was one of the prisoners, and he, he just went he went for broke, fight or die, and he let himself be completely controlled. He by... lost the gamer. <laughs> no, I don't, that's 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 what happened. No, but yeah, but no, I'm trying to return, and I think it's fair to say that he is the shining star in this thing. Oh, but unbelievably bright, blinding, <laughs> blinding, acrid light. Oh. <laughs> John Leguizamo has a very special place in my heart, whether he plays the Violator or Luigi. The Pest? The Pest. He... Kevin loves the Pest. He's, he was phenomenal as as Tybalt in Romeo and Juliet remake. Wow. He was, he's, he's good in everything he's in. He's a great teacher in The Happening. In this movie, he was comedic relief, right? You got a laugh. I got a bunch of laughs. This movie is horrible, and I think that he <laughs> is the only redeeming quality in it. I don't share Martin's love of John Leguizamo. The Pest! What about his... What about his... 
his past. What about his line readings in this movie? Like, I think he's when a he really about, funny comedian. The past. <laughs> what about what about when he talks about Wanda? Yeah, luscious, I mean, nonstop, nonstop, luscious Wanda, and then farts. Well, I'm, I'm gonna say this: comedic gold. His character is—it's a demon, and he's over the top, annoying, and obnoxious. Right? That's, that's the, character. the character. That's him for sure. I mean, he did a good job, but I was so sick of this guy after five minutes of him. The ghetto clown, John Leguizamo. Yes, that's a multi-tiered reference. I hope you guys. <laughs> Get that. Yeah, he annoyed the hell out of me. But again, I think that's what the character was supposed to be. So good job to him. But I was so sick of him, man. I couldn't take it. Some of the things he was saying was obnoxious. What I was really impressed was the physicality of the performance of him in all that makeup and hunched over. I thought that they had done some kind of trickery and I watched the behind the scenes. That's just him in makeup, hunched over, bouncing around. Like, man, he did a really good job. He is hitting Michael Jai White really hard. He's getting really physical with this guy and he's crouched over. Over like he's like his back is broken essentially right he became that character like it worked I yeah. I bought it you give him that yeah yeah absolutely totally that's a great transformation yeah Oscar winning transformation <laughs> maybe for best makeup I don't know for supporting actor the rest of this movie is C level okay. not even B level not even <laughs> to give it that he he definitely was acting like he was in a real movie okay could have been in a real movie and did the same things he was doing no one else could you can't say that for anyone else all right speaking of which next up Martin Sheen. He's no Charlie Sheen. I'll tell you that much. Obviously, I mean, I know Martin Sheen is Charlie Sheen's father. I've known that for a long time. He's no Emilio Escovez. <laughs> That's for damn sure. <laughs> In this movie, I like how you're so positive about it. <laughs> in this movie, the way that Martin Sheen is is done up, like his hair is dyed, and the way he has his beard and everything, he to me looks so much like Charlie Sheen does today. It was freaky. Like it looked like it could be his twin. Charlie Sheen has had a rough life. He I has. think we can all agree. And I think Martin Sheen has got to be twenty something years older than him, at least, if not more, thousands, twenty million years older than him. But you're right; they look the same. Which I mean, like father, like son. I mean, it's been what fifteen years, right? Yeah. So he's he's almost probably to what he was at this point, right? I don't know about that. This is pre-West Wing, this movie? Yeah. Yeah. You like that show? I never saw it. It was good. Good story. But how did he do? How was his performance? Absolutely terrible. <laughs> right? I mean... This was just a paycheck for him, right? It was almost worse than that. It was almost like he went out of his way to be just super campy and terrible. I hated the way he was speaking. Like, he put this awful inflection on his voice, like, Hey, Spawn, how are you doing? Like, he, like, clamped his voice down like that and made it really gruff. It was obnoxious. His character was annoying and I was glad to see him die. He spoke almost like he had his teeth clenched as yes. he was speaking. Yes. Like uh, someone just punched him in the in the gut. I mean, ha, Scott, ha, 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 like that kind of crap. Scott was a legitimate actor at one point, right? You don't think he's one anymore? He was? <laughs> This, Not after seeing this, this movie his, his entire career has been tainted by this. Should we even talk about the other people in this thing? D.B. Sweeney or... No, I don't, no, think, so. I don't think so. Okay, alright. Let's get into the brief history of Spawn. Although the film was based on the comic book series, some details were changed for the theatrical version of Spawn. Terry Fitzgerald, Al Simmons' best friend in his former life, a black man in the comics books, was played by D.B. Sweeney, a white man in the film. McFarlane has explained that this was done by the studio to avoid having too many black leads and creating a perception. The film was aimed at just a black target audience. The nature of Spawn's powers and allies are different. Cogliastro, for example, while revealed to be Kane in the comics, is portrayed as an assassin for the church in the 15th century who has forsaken most of his Spawn-based powers, apart from the blade attached to his right wrist, his favorite weapon. While Cogliastro warns Spawn that he will die if his powers are drained, no reference is ever made to Spawn possessing a counter-like in the comics, which makes the 
limits of Spawn's powers unclear. John Leguizamo ate live maggots for this film. That's, Alex, That's dedication. Okay, yeah, that's Oscar. Hard. He deserves an Oscar. Alex Proyas was originally going to direct, but pulled out of the project to work on Dark City. Thank goodness. Upgrade. Thank goodness. Whoa. I, I, that was a great movie. I agree <laughs> with you guys. Wesley Snipes, Cuba Gooding Jr., and Snoop Dogg were each originally considered for the role of Al Simmons or Spawn. How is Snoop Dogg have played Al Simmons? Tales from the Hood? <laughs> Upgrade. Michael J. White? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into Spawn. I think it's important to note how important Spawn was in the 90s. Do you remember how popular he was? He influenced my art style. He turned you into the man you are today? Uh, He's yeah. more of a father to you yeah, than your father, father was? Yeah. He, <laughs> he was the father I never had, essentially. <laughs> no, uh, Todd McFarlane, his art style, him and, and James Lee were probably... Rob Liefeld? He drew great feet. Uh, yeah, they drew phenomenal feet. <laughs> no, they. If you were a comic book nerd, you know what I was talking about. <laughs> really, really distorted backs and pecs. <laughs> well, back in the 90s, Todd McFarlane was working on Spawn, and he had a really popular run on that. He's the guy who pretty much built Venom. And, and Carnage. Lot, yeah, and a lot of that stuff transferred over to this. So around like 92 or so, 93, he got fed up with Marvel and he quit. And he brought a bunch of those people with him, and they created Image Comics. And they he designed, created Spawn, and it was a smash hit at the time. Did you ever read that, Kevin? I didn't read it, but it was all over the place. I read Spawn in a lot of my friends had a lot of the action figures. They even had one of the uh, very limited release ones where you could combine all five of these giant, very intricately designed, sculptured pieces into this giant demon. It was unbelievable. It was like five feet tall, four feet tall. <laughs> It was like it was like this. I mean, it cost like like three hundred dollars by the time you were done collecting all these little sculpture pieces. But it was really cool. Yeah. So it's imp really important to note that in the '90s, Spawn was a big deal. So to have a movie on this character was notable, noteworthy. It's not like they just plucked some random comic out of obscurity and made a movie out of it. Like kids really enjoyed Spawn, mm -hmm. and I was among them because I own like Spawn number one that's sitting around in my parents' house somewhere. So I was the key demographic for this movie for sure. So with that said, let's get into spawn. <laughs> so this movie starts off with voiceover narration with some pretty amazing special effects. So before we even discuss what this, this looks like, this movie started and within the first second, second and a half, <laughs> we were all bursting out laughing. That's not an exaggeration. It was so, the opening of this movie is so ridiculous, it will inspire you to laugh harder than you will at any comedic movie. We had to stop the movie. We had, after... <laughs> Immediately! After the first after three, the first seconds, three seconds, we had, we had to stop the movie and watch it again because we had to restrain ourselves from laughing at the ridiculousness of this intro. It's just like, like one, like two or three second scene after another. They have no no connection to each other. There's flames here and there. There's some of the worst CG I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. PlayStation 1 era? It's worse. Yeah, it is worse. He, he's right. So is. essentially what's going on is there's a voiceover narrator and he's telling us about the war between heaven and hell and how the devil is amassing an army, something like what Max Payne was talking about. <laughs> They're amassing an army. Army at the bottom of this lake. <laughs> so he needs a general to lead them on their war to heaven. I think it's a lieutenant colonel he needs. He needs a vice cardinal to lead them on their war to heaven. So That was his official title. Though. He was a lieutenant colonel. Yeah, okay, so that's basically the plot of this movie, right? The devil needs someone to lead the army to, to go to war against well, hell. Basically, that, that's what we're taught in the beginning. But on top of that narration, we see terrible CG flames, a weird tunnel, hell tunnel, mm -hmm. uh, a, a dove fly 
flies by. <laughs> Cuts of like wars. You saying a dove bolts? flying by is not accurate. That dove was not flying. It was just sliding by. <laughs> sliding across the screen and getting larger. <laughs> they talk about some Armageddon machine that they want to use. Something to <laughs> to bring about Armageddon. Um, which, I mean, that that's the plot, right? They're, they're trying to bring about Armageddon. We see the villain of the movie called Mel Bolgia. Now, Mel Bolgia is this enormous, chubby-looking <laughs> demon, hairy demon, right? I never liked the design of this thing. Even back in, like, fifth or sixth grade or whatever the hell I was when I was reading these comics, I never liked the look of Mel Bolgia. I always thought Violator should have been Mel Bolgia. He looks more demonic. He definitely is more intimidating. I think Mel Bolgia looks like an emaciated Bowser from Mario 64. Yeah, it's this big, fat He's got the same guy, red chubby, mohawk hair. Yeah, and he's got a long gumby mouth with scraggly hairs all over it. He looks like he's a preteen demon. Like, he's going through, like, a rebellious phase from his parents. He's got a mohawk. He's starting trying to grow his beard out, but he doesn't have enough facial hair yet. <laughs> they kind of show us what the villain looks like immediately within the first 30 seconds. Kevin, how do you think he looked? Uh, so this is the CG I was referring to. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um... <laughs> For anyone who will get this reference, it reminded me of in the Spider-Man cartoon from the 90s. Go on. Go on. From time to time, they would splice in. Spider powers, spider powers, radioactive spider powers. (laughs) They would splice in computer animation into this classically drawn animated uh, show. It's terrible in that show. I hated that show so much. But even That's... Alistair Smythe? Yeah. Creator of the spider... <laughs> oh, Madam Web. <laughs> it looked just like that cartoon computer animation. I mean, it was horrendous. <laughs> I mean, the fact that this made it into a major motion picture is just... It's unbelievable. Hey, man, these are A-level effects. <laughs> Kevin, this may be a B-movie. But these are A-level effects. effects. I'm a top critic of Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) (laughs) The CG creatures in this movie, for the most part, are very, very bad looking. They are overtly cartoonish looking. They might as well have been just hand-drawn 2D animation. Like They looked so blatantly not there. And every once in a while, they would interact with like an actual person, and it just looked so bad. So I watched the the behind-the-scenes stuff on the DVD while I was waiting for you guys to show up. And first off, I thought this was kind of interesting. This is a real throwback for me because... On the DVD, they have this thing that the Sci-Fi Channel produced behind the scenes of Spawn. And then let me think back. Do you remember in the 90s, like, that kind of stuff was on TV all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Movie magic, yep. behind the scenes. And they were almost always the same. Mm-hmm. Same crap. Like, talking about computer effects and stuff. Yep. But I, I used to watch it all the time. I would eat that up. Yeah. That stuff's not on TV anymore. Do you think it's because everybody knows? It's like there's no more mystery. Ah, they just do it with computers, so no one cares. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's still being produced, right? It's still on like DVDs it's still special features and stuff yeah but they don't put it on TV anymore yeah yeah well anyway so the the making of the movie when they got to the part when they were talking to the ILM guys who made this they were talking about how they did a lot of effects in this movie that were groundbreaking like they were new they had never done this stuff before like some of the transformations of the characters they were like we've never done this before this is brand new so we kind of have to put it into that mindset it's really hard though right to kind of give them the credit like they were breaking new ground back then yeah but to look at it now it's like man this is really really bad 
which is why at the time I was like, this is a level effects because mm-hmm. it was new. It really was new. Yeah. I really didn't have that much of a problem with the effects in the actual movie as it was unfolding. It was this specifically Malboja. Yeah. I mean, that was the worst of them all, right? That's the main villain. That should, should be the most I terrifying make, part of this movie. I would make an argument that the violator is the main villain. Well, we see him the most, but he's subordinate to Malboja. I would have liked it if Malboja was just a puppet. Like they could have, remember. Get well, Jim Henson company in there. And- when we see Malboja, all we ever see is him from like the chest up. Yeah. It's just like a bust of him mm-hmm. and eventually a hand that comes up and picks somebody up. That could have just been a puppet, right? And composited onto all this, this CG crap. Yeah. It probably would have looked a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. I, ILM is the benchmark. Yeah, and if they couldn't do this And if they couldn't do this correctly at the time, there really isn't. Like this whole era, this 90s era, like the mid to late 90s of CG creatures is just abysmal. Yeah, absolutely. Like we just can't win. I mean, Jurassic Park gets the pass because it was the first and we were like, whoa, it was really blown away. Yeah. And I think a lot of that stuff still kind of holds up, but we get to the point where we're watching Lost in Space and we see that monkey thing mm-hmm. and Mortal Kombat when we see Reptile running around. Like, this think, is a really dark time for CG effects. I think effects are more important in how they're used and that is really up to the director of the movie. I think that if they're used correctly, they mesh really well with the environment and it doesn't take you out of the movie. It complements to you feeling like you're there. By the way, the director was a former ILM animator. So he just went buck wild. See, that might have been the problem, I think. He needed to be reeled in a little bit. Maybe he just, he fell back on what he knew. Like, he was an animator by trade. So, this, so he's like, every, make everything CG. After the opening dialogue, monologue thing, the movie kicks in. We see our hero, Michael J. White. He is a government assassin. Works for A6. Whatever that is. That's six A1s. Okay. <laughs> a lot of steak sauce. He is a government assassin. He's in an airport somewhere. He breaks into the control tower and he starts shooting his gun, murdering these innocent civilians, essentially. And right off the bat, immediately, immediately, I was like, oh my God, this is a legitimately bad movie. Yep. And you guys were like, what are you talking about? And then I, I answered, it was like, the majority of the movies that we watch in this show are usually like these big budget movies, mm-hmm. but they're usually competently shot. They may be really bad, but they look good. Like Amityville Horror, that was a piece of garbage, but at least it was shot really well. Yep. The film, the, the film stock the film, and everything stock was, really, was good. Decent. The director of photography had a lot of experience. Yes. When Michael J. White burst into this room, started opening fire, immediately I was like, this looks like a TV show. This is a TV quality. This is crap. <laughs> It reminded me of like a, a Steven Seagal movie. Yeah. We were introduced to the character of Michael J. White as Al Simmons, and he is a government assassin. He finds his target. He has these glow-in-the-dark, infrared, night vision goggles or whatever, and he, he can see 10,000 miles into the distance. 10, 10, mi- 10 trillion miles. He sees all around the circumference of the world and then back to the back of his own head. <laughs> Which he then uses to target people that are only 20 yards away from him. Yeah, he has a rocket with him. He fires a rocket. The rocket shoots through the air and... Well, it looks like five of miles of air. <laughs> <laughs> to the air. It's the greatest of V's. It's teased like chiclets. <laughs> and it's flying to the air, and it looks like it's going three miles an hour through the, yeah, through the air. It's going really it's slow. It's going really slow. It's going slow enough that the there are security guards coming off this airplane that are there to protect the targets that this missile is going after, and it sees this missile, has enough time to pull their guns out yeah. and block them. Hypothetically, they, they could have just ran away. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> a missile should be faster than that. I'm going to say it didn't even have enough momentum to carry it through the air. I agree with that. What, yeah. what, what? At it a should ho- just fall in. It was at a horizontal, <laughs> at yeah. a horizontal angle, it should just fell to the ground. Yeah, so he murders all these people, and the next day we find out that they were innocent or something. Like he, there was like 26 innocent people that were killed. Yeah, in he was set to up. who he was trying to kill. Yeah, it was a big setup. Like he didn't like the fact that he killed these innocent people, even though he murdered those air traffic controllers. But what, not only that, but he, according to the story later on in the movie, he is the number one greatest killer on assassin yeah. ever. But he cares about these people for some reason, and and he's a family man. So we we get the opening credits, more CG hell tunnel. Speaking of which, Kevin, how'd you feel about the DVD menu for this? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> This is the worst DVD menu I've ever seen. It didn't even fit the movie. It seemed like there was just some guy somewhere sitting at his house and someone knocked on his door and like, hey, we're making a DVD. Make a DVD menu for us without any knowledge of what this movie is. That guy was in high school, I, I imagine. I promise you, I could make a better DVD menu today, right now with my personal computer than they made back then. Okay, so Spawn, Michael Jai White, is shown to kill these people. It turns out that they're innocent. It then immediately cuts to him going back to his family after this mission he's living the American dream essentially he lives in a suburb he has a beautiful girlfriend they're about to get married life's looking up he's got a great partner babes bucks he's He's got got it all all. he then confronts his boss and says that he wants out Michael J. White he wants to get the hell out of there but Martin Sheen isn't gonna allow it Martin Sheen's got his right hand man is this woman who's a real hard ass his right hand man is a woman (laughs) So progressive. <laughs> what a progressive movie this is. In the comic book, stereotypes. that's supposed to be a guy named Chapel, but apparently there are some legal issues with Rob Liefeld. Remember that guy? <laughs> <laughs> he drew one of the most famous Captain America comic book covers. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, so they change it so it's a woman in this. So that's mildly interesting. And apparently after the movie, they kind of retconned it so it was this woman that killed him instead of this guy. Before he's allowed to quit, Martin Sheen says, come on, bro, one more for the road. One, one more, more caper. One more caper, you know. What could you. go wrong? Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Me and you, one more for the road. So he's like, okay, I want you to go to Korea and blow up this biochemical plant because they're making some sort of super virus and it's your job to stop it. So Michael J. White goes to Korea. He goes to blow up this factory, but uh-oh, that, yeah, it's that bad staple. He rears its ugly head. He's double-crossed. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I was really surprised because he gets down into the factory that is producing this virus and he realizes something's amiss. He looks up, and there's Martin Sheen smoking a cigar. <laughs> Double cross. Yeah, so the woman is on the rafters, and she shoots Michael J. White 10 billion times. <laughs> With a submachine gun all yeah, right? across the side of his torso. Yeah, right in the chest, all up and down, in the groin, in the face. He just takes a billion bullets, yep. but... Oh, he's fine. He, he acts like he was punched in the gut. <laughs> He's, like, laying on the ground, but he's just, like, talking fine. He's, yeah. He should be dead, passed out. <laughs> or dying. Screaming in agony. He's a tough guy. He's yes. really tough. I mean, he's a martial artist, so I guess he can take a take a hit, take a few bullets. Yeah, but that's not how they decide to kill him. Instead, Martin Sheen is a little more brutal, and he has his woman assassin. And she pushes this button on her gun, and it shoots this green goo, this gack, all over him. <laughs> it looks like they're shooting Nickelodeon slime all yeah. over his face. Yeah, like, what is this? He's getting slimed. Yeah. Like Rosie O'Donnell does every year at the Kids' Choice Awards. Is that a common thing? Do guns shoot green goo? Absolutely, yes. Miles, if you're out there. I mean, I'm no weapons expert, but do the makers of Taurus Judge (laughs) make make a gun that shoots green goo? (laughs) (laughs) Like the Ghostbusters, like, (laughs) weapon or something? Yeah, so she drenches him in this green goo, and then Martin Sheen throws a cigar on him, and he just lights up. Wonders! (laughs) 
screams and he's burnt alive. This is the most roasted, toasted, burnt, burnt to, to a crisp. crisp. This is the most comedic death knell I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was, we were laughing. Yep. We were cackling, all of us. Can we talk about hell? How it looks like in this movie? So this is now our second hell movie, right? Constantine had hell. Yep. And we all agreed that it looked, looked great. great. Yep. But then again, that that's almost 10 years after this. Yeah. So we have to True. give it that. How did you think hell was depicted in this movie? What'd you think of it? I think it looked like the Crossfire commercial. Crossfire! <laughs> You'll get caught up in the crossfire. <laughs> okay. By the way, you know, that's pretty accurate description. <laughs> it, it really, no, it really did. It, it, it looked like the Crossfire commercial. If anybody remembers that, they're essentially hovering above a giant barbecue pit on these floating gravity two-dimensional, two-dimensional pieces, pieces of pieces rock. Of paper that are sliding yeah, around the so, picture. And, and, and it'll look just like that. In the background, there are millions of other spawns, and they're moving around in what looks like three frames of animation. And they're all <laughs> moving <laughs> in unison. <laughs> and you can, like, see, like, the outlines on them that they were, like, cut out, and it looks really, really bad. But this is cutting edge. Yeah, I'm gonna give them a pass on this. It didn't, considering, I mean, how, how many movies had done this at this point? I mean, this is commonplace, right? To just mass produce a billion people on screen with a computer. Very good point. I mean, how many times were it done before this? It wasn't until, like, Lord of the Rings or something, right, that they were like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. For whatever they did before this, there would be real people there, and then they put in additional computer people. Yeah. This was all computer, right? This whole thing. This whole Everything thing, in hell. This all of entire hell. entire scene was in a computer. That's a good point. Was Is this one of the first movies to do that? Where it was just complete Everything green screen. Everything is yeah. CG. It was yeah. complete green screen. So I didn't read the comic, so I don't know what hell looked like in the comic. Not like I that. I didn't like Not the design like of this. That. I mean, it was basically just, the background was just like flames, yep. and then there'd be these hovering stone platforms that people would be standing on. Yes. Just, just loading in, in, in midair. I mean, it, just, it looked terrible. The scenes in hell were by far the worst, I thought, of this movie. Without a doubt, yeah. So I'm going to give them a pass for all the, the, the millions of spawns, because I think that was just really difficult for them to do. But everything else, I don't get a pass on. Abosha looked terrible. His mouth was open the whole time when he spoke. Like, why couldn't he yes. speak normally? What, what was that about? I don't, how could he even speak normally? Like, his mouth, like, the top of his jaw looks normal, but his lower jaw is just extends down to, like, a point, like, 10 billion feet down. So were how, their how hands he, tied? How could he even close his mouth? So could they not do it based on the design of the character in the comic? Yeah, I mean, this, these scenes in hell were just absolutely terrible. Okay, so when this hell stuff is over, Spawn wakes up in some nondescript city, in some nondescript alley somewhere. Apparently, this alley is like a holy place that's been touched by heaven. It's been touched by angels. Yeah, and it's neutral. They kind of mentioned that, like, in a throwaway line. But everybody there is suffering greatly. They're all starving to death. Yeah, they're they're all homeless. Well, it has a neon cross on it. I mean, that that makes it holy, right? Emergency church. This is the intro to Cagliostro. He kind of bumps into Spawn when Spawn is kind of getting acclimated, I guess, to the world as a uh, crispy, deep-fried man. He is Spawn's guardian angel of sorts. Well, wait, should we describe Spawn? So Michael Jai White, when he goes to hell, his skin is burned off, right? Correct. He's just completely burnt. And the reason he's returned is because he made a deal. He made a deal with the devil, correct. So it was... Lead my army in exchange. You can see uh, your luscious Wanda again. Yeah, you see your wife again. Yeah, yes. exactly. So that's that's why we have Spawn. So he made a selfish decision, and now he's back on Earth, and he... Just like uh, Ghost Rider. Just, yeah, just, just mm-hmm. like Ghost Rider, but when he gets back there and his memory is refreshed, he finds out that he may have bit 
off a little more than he can chew and might regret his decision. But before we get there, we're treated to a lot of interesting swipes and keyhole scene changes. Oh, man. There's... <laughs> I think it's important to know because of all the movies we've reviewed, this movie plays really, really, really loose with what they want to try and get away with as far as keyhole scene changing is going. All right, so when they do these scene transitions where the camera is bird's eye view looking down at the city, I feel like we're beating a dead horse here with the special effects, but man, this is there on- is a helicopter in this scene. <laughs> Kevin? It looks like they just took it straight out of Batman the Animated Series and threw it in there. It looks like it's from Metal Gear Solid 1, doesn't it? Doesn't it look like it's from Metal Gear Solid for PlayStation? Like it's one of those helicopters? It looks really bad. Like the CG looks really, really it's so bad. Car- it's cartoonish. Yeah, it's a cartoon character. <laughs> on top of just a very real city scene. Yep, but then the keyhole scene transition isn't really CG. Yeah, we see a crucifix on a building. The crucifix lights up and then it irises in like like it fills the entire screen. Just like when you get a key in Super Mario World and it turns into a keyhole shape and you get sucked (laughs) into it. Exactly. You're going to have to transfer that keyhole shape into a cross shape and that's exactly what you're getting. This is so dumb. But at the end of the cross closing, a lightning bolt strikes it. That was like the coup de grace, the cherry on top. It was like (laughs) (laughs) And then they'll forget that when they show Spawn's old neighborhood, they draw like a diagonal crucifix on the street map. (laughs) This is so cheesy. When we're introduced to the Violator, we see a ghetto clown played by John Leguizamo. He (laughs) looks... Clown with a K. Yeah, clown with a K. He's hobbling around like a extraordinarily short, obese, but very animated freak. And, uh... (laughs) The one, the one, the one interesting thing about this character, though, is that I think the practical makeup that they put on his face looks amazing. I think it looks really good. Yeah, I mean, this character looked like they spent eighteen hours getting him ready to look like this, and it shows. It looks really good. Yeah, his character, I think, looks the most believable. A lot of people don't like him personally, but I think that he played this role really well. So this character essentially takes him around to his grave, sh- explains what happened to him, refreshes memory by giving him memories from his death and how he was double-crossed by Martin Sheen. Let me ask you this. When the clown takes Spawn to the graveyard and shows him his grave, he has him dig up his corpse just to prove that he's dead. When he pulls up the corpse, his skeleton reaches out and grabs him and then, like, fades away. What the hell's going on here? Yeah, I didn't understand that because I, I had assumed that when he made that deal with Satan or with Mount Bolger, the devil, he just assumed whatever body that got burned up, I guess, in North Korea. I assumed that they didn't recover a body. Yeah, because he's burnt up when he comes back from hell, which kind of insinuates that they took his body his from old that body, explosion, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, so if they just built him a new body. Why have him burned? Just to be a, a dick about it, I, I guess. I guess. I, I don't know. That scene doesn't make much sense, but we get exposed to a lot of comedic fart gas clouds throughout. People are farting all left and right in this movie. And by people, I mean one guy. <laughs> it's, it's actually only John Leguizamo, but he farts probably 500 times, million times. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, there is the one scene when he said that every time someone farts, and a demon, demon gets, gets his wings. wings. He farts twice. Twins. Goes, oh, twins. And then he rips his underwear off and he has a giant poo stain in it and he shoves it in Spawn's face. <laughs> I mean, that's highbrow stuff, right? 
This is a guy that I would like to not be friends with, but hang around in his periphery because it sounds like a fun and funny time. I would love to see a man rip his underwear off and shove it into another man's face after he farts. This is just child humor in a movie that's not for children. Yeah, that's your thing, right, Kevin? Who is this movie for? For the man child and all of us, I think, right? I mean, I could only imagine that me back then was eating this up, just laughing and laughing at the farts. He farted. Really? This seems like five, six-year-old humor, not 13-year-old humor. That's exactly how I was laughing. <laughs> like that. What did you think of the farts now? Did you find them comedic? <laughs> no? No, you weren't laughing? You weren't no. laughing at it? No, not at all. I think that they're funny in theory. The The idea of those farts are funny to me. Communist farts. They're on paper. They're <laughs> on, paper on paper, they're funny. It's Yeah, it's like the Communist Manifesto. It's it, it works on paper, but when I watched this movie last night, I wasn't laughing. You had a scowl on your yeah, face. Yeah, I was not laughing. <laughs> Just like I think John Leguizamo's character in this movie is theoretically funny, but in practice, not so much. Look, farts are funny in real life, right? We can all agree. Yeah, we, we can all we, agree we, on we that. We can all agree. <laughs> There's a place for farts and fart clouds in our day-to-day <laughs> real life. I mean, we record the podcast in a perpetual fart cloud. <laughs> That's why we uh, laugh so much. Yeah, we're high off our own farts. <laughs> Joel's sitting on his fart pillow right now. <laughs> yeah, no, you are. You're sitting on I your fart pillow. I gotta save him for later. <laughs> yeah, in the movie, this is this is, this is juvenile juvenile humor. Juvenile detention. That's a good point. You make a really good point. Like, someone farts on you in public, it's hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's funny, right? Yeah, but someone farts on you in a movie, it's not Not funny that funny. At all. No, no, no. You, no. you kind of scowl and you're like, oh, how dare they? <laughs> It's a waste of my time. It's around this point where we find out what the villain's plan is. Martin Sheen has developed a super virus that he got from the chemicals in Korea or whatever. And his goal is to unleash the virus on the world, killing everybody. And he's the only one that has the antidote, apparently. And the antidote is this, again, neon blue (laughs) liquid in a jar. That is the classic antidote, right? Resident Evil, this. I'm assuming it's whatever antiseptic barbers use to clean their (laughs) combs and scissors, right? So the Violator is working with Martin Sheen to to create this virus to kill everyone on the planet. Correct. That's the point of this. They want to kill everybody on the planet to start the war between heaven and hell. Joel, you should be upset with Martin Sheen. He's obviously anti-human. Yeah. Well, no, you know what he is? He's the King of Fools. Does he subscribe to the King of Fools clause? Uh, Have we ever talked about that on this show? I don't think so. Because it's pretty prevalent in these kind of movies. There's always the King of Fools. Kevin, why don't you enlighten us? So the King of fools is that there's, there's one guy who wants to basically rule the earth or be the only person left. Or be super powerful or whatever. Yeah, but that's never going to work out. It doesn't work out because he essentially makes a deal with an entity that can't be trusted innately. The person is either a personification of Satan or in the King of Fools clause, it's dark side, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then when the creature gets what it wants, it just kills the guy and gives him nothing. Right. Thus making him the King of Fools. That comes from an episode of Superman the Animated Series where they call him the King of Fools. Anyway, but that's what's going on in this movie, clearly. He wants to kill everybody on Earth. A stupid plan, of course. And they go to this banquet where Martin Sheen is trying to sell the virus to somebody. I don't know, whatever. 
And Spawn breaks in through the ceiling. He's got his Uzis and machine guns and he's shooting people. That lady priest opens fire on him. Eventually, Spawn does something that I think is pretty ridiculous looking. He goes on the, the second floor of the building. He does a front flip. And while he's flipping, he's shooting his two machine guns at the same time. Out to the side, like he's a, on a wagon wheel. Like Who's he firing at? There was no one there. You could see it on the screen. There was no one there. He was shooting at nothing. Just wasting bullets. But did it look cool? No. (laughs) Well, anyway, so because of this, the violator clown tells Martin Sheen, you need to put a pacemaker thing in your heart. That if it's like a dead man switch, if you die, the virus automatically is triggered. Okay. Mm -hmm. And later we come to find out that the violator's plan was to have Spawn kill Martin Sheen because it would be two in one. Like he'd get two birds for one stone. It would ensure that they get Spawn's soul and it would ensure that the virus was freed. Have a big problem with this entire concept. First off, how could they not have Spawn's soul already? How does he have any free will, period? He, he made a deal with the devil, right? Yep. So he owns him. He already what? went to hell. Yeah. Why do they keep doing this in these movies? How could the devil make something more powerful than he is? That doesn't make any sense. How could no. he not control him? Joel, you're forgetting the power of the human spirit. He's not a human being anymore. You're forgetting the power of the human spirit. Yeah, you're right. That's what I thought. And secondly, if all it took for the virus to be released was to kill Martin Sheen, then why didn't John Leguizamo just kill him. Even at that point, the, the stuff was ready to go. Yes. All he had to do was push a button. Push a button. Done. Why Why this convoluted plan? And furthermore, why does killing every all the people, why does that matter? What does that have to do with anything? It sends them to hell? I don't know. Or it heaven. doesn't. Or heaven. It's no different from them just dying naturally. Does the war between heaven and hell have to happen like on earth and no people be around? I just don't understand this. You're going to send a certain percentage of people to hell and a certain percentage to heaven if you kill everybody. It has nothing to do with a war between angels and demons. Alright, so eventually Spawn is fed up with John Leguizamo and he pushes him real hard and knocks it's, him down. It's interesting. It took Spawn a lot longer than I think it took any viewer to get fed up with John Leguizamo. <laughs> <laughs> so John Leguizamo says this line that will live forever in infamy. He says, I'm not the vindicator, I'm not the victimizer or the vaporizer or the vibrator. I'm the violator. And he transforms into this giant demon creature. Now, a little insight into the world of, yeah, it's that bad, world headquarters. Around this point last night when we were watching the movie, I said, enough. I had enough. <laughs> enough is enough. I wiped my hands of this. And I literally laid down on the ground and I went to sleep. Kevin, would you attest to what happened last night? Yeah, you absolutely did. You laid down and you fell asleep. Like, it wasn't <laughs> like you were laying there with your eyes. You were laying there with your eyes closed for a little while, but you went to sleep. <laughs> Martin was not far behind you. <laughs> and it was around this point where I was like, I better start taking notes because these two fools won't remember what the hell happened because they were sleeping. <laughs> Yeah, so I legitimately felt like this is the first time that this has happened to me. Like, for real. Martin is a well-known... Sleep offender? Yeah, he is. Sleep crimes. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I was just so tired, and this movie was just boring me to tears. I was like... I've had enough. And I, I went to bed on the floor, and when I woke up, the movie was over. I'm like, you know what? That was the right thing to do. <laughs> that was wise. But just so I don't get accused of not having any integrity, I did rewatch the parts I missed before we recorded this. So there you go. But then Spawn and the Violator have this big drawn-out fight. And certain scenes look pretty bad, but other ones look pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that some of the scenes were a giant 
giant rubber puppet, according to the behind the scenes stuff. Okay. And I'm going to say that the Violator, he is probably the best CG creature in this thing. Absolutely. Yeah, if you don't count Spawn as being a CG creature, I would agree with you mm-hmm. completely. But I think Spawn as a character is probably, probably looks better, more competently or believably designed. By the way, there's a cameo by Todd McFarlane in this scene. He was one of the bums running around. Really? Okay, so let's just fast forward to the end here. Uh, Spawn's old best friend discovers Martin Sheen's plan. He has his little mini disc with the secrets on it. I thought this is ridiculous. When he puts the disc into his computer, the computer says, like it vocalizes, it says, reading secret files. <laughs> like I'm an idiot. Like I'm a moron. And it has to tell me that he's reading secret files. I get it. All right. I get it. So he sees what Martin Sheen's trying to do. Martin Sheen shows up, takes his family hostage. He's going to kill everybody. But hey, Spawn shows up and Cogliastro, they save the day. Spawn and Cogliastro and the clown, they go into hell and they have one last battle in hell. Mm-hmm. The effects during this sequence left a lot to be desired. <laughs> So Spawn's in hell. After he beats the Violator, he's just standing there in the middle of hell. Mm-hmm. There's 10 trillion other Billion. little Spawnlets standing around him in Melbolgia. And then Spawn is just standing there. He's not even moving. And then green laser beams shoot out of him. I thought they were like the chains that shoot out of him in the real world. It, no, it was, those are, come on, Kevin. <laughs> I thought that's what it was those supposed were, to be. Those were laser beams, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he didn't even do anything. They just had it. Like, like Lasers just, just come he, out he, of him. I'm not going to, it was like he made a decision and he's like, I'm going to fight you, Malbolgia. And then he just kind of opens his arms up and out of his chest, this green neon light shoots into like almost, it, it looks a lot like the effects from Ghostbusters too. Yeah. For, from their proton packs, except it's green. And it, once it hits another spawn, it creates like a chain reaction and just goes through every spawn lit in hell. And kills Why him. is he so powerful? Why couldn't the other spawn guys do the same thing to him? I don't understand this at all. He's a lieutenant colonel. He's a vice He's the vice cardinal of hell. Yeah. Is he is he a bad lieutenant? Yeah, port of call? <laughs> <laughs> this is his port of call. <laughs> hell is his port of call. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote the story and they got to a point where they're like, what are we going to do? And they paint themselves in the corner and they're like, all right, let's just have him kill all the spawns. Yeah, but then when spawn comes out of hell, we still have the problem of Martin Sheen's heart attached to the super Hey, how did, how did spawn get out of hell? Because that was a special scene. A it was a fart super rocket. fart rocket, right? <laughs> <laughs> Shot him out of hell. <laughs> he was like, hold on. <laughs> That's not an exaggeration. He has a, a jet stream of green fart gas is shooting out of his ass and he's flying through hell. That is back, not a joke. Back That's what through it looks like. the hell tunnel. I didn't think that the hell tunnel was permanently <laughs> open. The way in my mind's eye, this fiery tunnel is specific for each soul. It transports that soul and only that soul to hell. But apparently, hell's architect constructed just this fire tunnel that you can come <laughs> in and out whenever you want. <laughs> as long it, as you have green fart gas. And it's connected to fire place is like the flu network. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah I, I, Santa Claus uses it once a year to get around and give his toys to he kids. Goes through hell. He goes through hell. That's the secret of Santa <laughs> Polar Express. <laughs> yeah, so when he pops out, and you know, he, he still has to take care of the fact that Martin Sheen has a pacemaker that if it goes off, everyone on the this planet dies. This is so This is an absurdity oh. of the highest order. 
So in Spawn's never-ending repertoire of powers, he he's a god essentially by the end of this movie. After after all the stuff I've seen him do, he might as well just be god. So he looks at Martin Sheen. He shoots green X-rays at him out of his eyes. I didn't know he could do that. He can see. <laughs> he can see through his body, and he sees the pacemaker. And then apparently he's telekinetic as well because he causes the pacemaker to phase through matter. Yeah, through Martin Sheen's body, float into midair, and then he shoots a laser out of his eye, like, pew, and blows it up. <laughs> this is a joke, right? It, it was really bad. Yeah. That is just bad writing. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most amazing and interesting ad-libbing I've seen in script writing. I've, it's like they started the story and then didn't go through drafts. They had no end in sight. There was no end to this movie. They just started writing and they're like, oh, this is good, but it won't work. Oh, okay, let's just give them x-ray vision. Fart vision. Fart <laughs> gas is out of hell and x-ray vision to his heart monitors. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty much it the movie. Um, they arrest Martin Sheen and Spawn lives the rest of his days to be an anti-hero, whatever, the end. So yeah, so that's it. That's Spawn. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. An incoherent blitz of noise, chintzy special effects, and bargain basement allegory. Stephen Holden, New York Times. There's no suspense, no emotional involvement with the characters, and the cynical sophomoric storytelling is confusing. Andy Seiler, USA Today. And finally, the nonsensical screenplay can barely stand up to the hell's a poppin', Biel's a bubbin' effects mustered by first-time director Mark DePay. Rita Kempley, Washington Post. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. Tomatoes, but is it really that bad? I mean, come on, really? This movie is, in my opinion, in the single digits, low teens. I think 20% is very generous. This movie is in whiteout territory for me. I couldn't say conscious during it, and that is a telltale sign of a abysmal story. Bad acting, bad effects. There really just is nothing interesting about this movie. So I just had to take a snooze. I'm going to give this movie a giant, hot, thunderous one out of five. Stay away from it at all costs. The, the only redeem aspect to this movie, I think, is the cutscenes that you get with John Leguizamo. So if you were to go to YouTube and check out some of John Leguizamo's one-liners, that might be interesting if you're into that kind of stuff, but other than that. <laughs> you're into skid marks in your underwear. Yeah, if you're into I mean... And fart humor. <laughs> I was actually looking forward to watching this movie this week because it had been so long since I had seen it and it was like, hey, that movie wasn't that bad. I don't remember it being that bad, but this is atrocious. This is definitely a one out of five. <laughs> it really seems like a, like a made-for-TV sci-fi quality movie. It's just bad all around. It, I, really, it's just... I guess you're right. John Leguizamo, he put his heart and soul into this. This is the character he was born to play. Yeah, but it's not enough to make this a movie anyone should see. One out of five. If you asked me last night what I would have given this, I would have given it a one. I mean, because I, I literally fell asleep. That's not a joke. I did fall asleep while I was watching this. But then when I watched it again this morning, I'm like, ah, I don't know. Is it really a one? I was going to give it a two. But now sitting here talking... Talking about it again, I'm back to a one. (laughs) So yeah, one out of five. This movie sucks. What a shame. Another childhood classic down the toilet. Dreams are dashed one by one on this show. Yeah, Dash Rendar. Thanks a lot. He had phenomenal control. Turning radius. Yeah. Okay, so let's read some listener mail. Cody writes in with a Kevin-centric email. Dear Yes That Bad, I would like to begin by saying congratulations to Kevin for his recent nuptials. The Yes That Bad army was there in spirit. I celebrated by watching Nicholas Cage and Ghost Rider, followed by Dennis Quaid and Pandorum. <laughs> 
Now onto the real reason behind the email. The other members of Yes That Bad have seemed to have given some guff to Kevin about a certain TV show he has enjoyed. I just wanted to write in and let Kevin know that it's okay to stop denying your passion for the show. It is okay. I stand by you and your enjoyment of Grey's Anatomy. If you want, I can be your person. A quote from the show. Yeah, I don't even know what that means, so... Just wanted to let you know that you are not alone in this endeavor, Kevin. And I would have written in sooner if I had known how to save a life. <laughs> Thanks for the show, guys. <laughs> Andrew writes in and says, thank you, guys. <laughs> you say, he says it just like that? <laughs> <laughs> Andy writes in and says, thank you guys so much. Before I heard your podcast, I was depressed, but just knowing that there are other people who made what seemed like 50,000 podcasts, so it really kept my mind in a happy place. Because of you guys, I am no longer depressed. Also, when Kevin joined the show, I was really pissed that he was even on the earth. But now, he's one of my favorite characters. Ha ha. Keep up the good work. How do you respond to that? Since I was on earth, that I existed as a human being. My existence... <laughs> But your existence caused him pain. Now you're his favorite character. I know. Like Batman, your character. (laughs) Yeah, I I play this part only on the podcast. Connor writes in and says, You said in the last episode that you would never expose the identity of the woman in episode five. I have a theory over her identity. I believe that for whatever reason, she removed herself from the podcast, but continued watching the movies with you guys. Due to the nature of the film selected, she was exposed to one of the many of Yaz That Bad staples. Gender bending. With such prolonged exposure, she decided to take part in some gender bending herself, finally to return to us in episode 37 as Kevin. Perhaps as a female, Kevin was known as Kevana or Kathleen. That much, I do not know. Am I hitting anywhere close to home? I feel that you have to tell us now to clear Kevin's name. Love the show, Connor. You nailed it. Home run. (laughs) Kevina? I was having a bad enough week. (laughs) He's incorrect, for the record. I'm not going to validate nor deny that. Yeah, I can neither confirm nor deny (laughs) any of these. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Now it's time for the question of the week. And the question of the week comes in from Zombie Bunny. Hi guys, so my question of the week is this. What movie have you gotten so deep into only to have something happen that pulls you right out of it? A song, a scene, a look? Has there been a movie that just one little thing just destroys the whole thing? Yeah, when John Leguizamo handed, you know, his little clown doll over and I got that fart projectile <laughs> out of his mouth. It brought me right out of the movie. <laughs> the sex scene in Watchmen? Good one. Oh. Pulled me right out of that movie. You remember when Tim Robbins showed up in World of the World, yep. Steven Spielberg, that movie just collapsed the moment he appeared on the screen. Mm-hmm. You didn't believe that he was an insane... Insane in the membrane? Yeah, yeah I guess killer. Head on over to YaskThatBad.com where you can leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Now it's time to announce next week's movie, and we've decided to go back yet again into the 1990s for one of Steven Spielberg's more controversial films. We're watching The Triumphant Return of Robin Williams in Hook. That's right. Hook. It's been requested for years. Here it is. For years? Years and years. Even before we had a podcast, people were like, you should review Hook. Now the wait is over. Okay, so tune in next week. We'll be watching Hook, starring Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman. Okay, normally we would also announce the next movie for the Listener's Choice Poll, but the poll is going to be on hiatus for a little bit, giving a little break, because we're going to do something special 
for episode 75. I guess we'll keep it secret until then. So once again, tune in next week when we will be reviewing Hook. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help us spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash yeahitsthatbad. You can follow us on Twitter at yeahitsbad. You can follow Martin at yeahitsmartin. You can follow Kevin at yeahitskev. And you can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher at stitcher.com slash yeahitsbad. Put in the promo code yeahitsbad and you really will be helping out the show. Once again, thanks for listening. See you next time. Martin Sheen says, you can't just quit. This isn't the Postal Service. Yeah, we all got a big laugh. Did we, did we laugh at that? No, 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 no. We you, didn't. You started singing the Postal Service. I did do that, actually. District yeah. Sleeps Tonight. Yeah, yeah. Such great heights. <laughs> yeah. You tried to kiss me in a style that Clark Gable he would have admired. Would, would have admired. <laughs> I stopped you. <laughs> if I may interrupt here. <laughs>